Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking with Ashley Diamond from My Healthy, Happier Life. She's run and spectated the New York City Marathon several times, and she's a New Yorker, so she's sharing the best tips on how to prep for the course, what you need to know for race morning, plus tips for spectators. I ran the race in 2013, but she's the expert, so we hit all the bases, including the one food you must have while in NYC. And spoiler, it's not pizza. What? And most of these tips can help prepare you for any race, any distance. We get into timing your pre-run food, making friends, and a lot more. It's a super fun conversation. I kind of forgot until she mentioned it. We met the longest time ago when we were doing the Reach the Beach Relay together, and I epically embarrassed myself, but we'll talk about that another time. We're sharing a lot of tips, and it's kind of like you're hanging out with us. So you'll learn a lot, have a good time, and help those miles go by fast. In case you're new here, I'm Monica Olivas, a marathon runner, marathon eater, and podcaster in Southern California. I started runningrepeat.com to share my running and weight loss story, and it grew into an amazing community online, and now it's this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really happy you're here. Let's start off with a warm-up. So last week, I mentioned that I would be running the Revel Marathon in Big Bear, California, and I was very apprehensive, to say the least. I was very unsure of my fitness level. My mental game was no bueno for sure. I was scared. I had regressed completely to where I was for my first marathon. And before my first marathon, I legit thought, I might die today. And so I made sure that I had my phone with me, if nothing else, because I might have to call 911 for myself. This is legit where I was before my first marathon. And once again, last week before this weekend's marathon. And if you're listening to this, I survived. I didn't die, which I think was one of my goals because I made some kind of like tentative, you know, eagle, beagle. And I kind of made them off the top of my head. To be honest, I was just like, what should my goals be? I really have no idea where I am in the world. So my eagle was to run a sub four hour marathon. My beagle was to finish the marathon strong and try to run smart and pay attention to fuel and just take whatever I can learn from it, make this like a really good race that I can learn from and be proud of. My seagull was just to finish. My D goal was not die. D is for die in this case. And luckily, I did not die. I did finish. Um, I would say I finished strong. I actually finished strong. Yes. Now that I'm thinking about it, I woke up a little bit towards the end and pulled it together. Um, And I did run a sub four hour. I think my time, I'm going to look it up. My chip time, it was 3.50.46. Three hours, 50 minutes, 46 seconds. So let's say 3.51. So round it off there. So I did it. Boom. There's that. And I want to do a really quick recap Can you guys let me know if you like these recaps? Because I don't have a good memory and or I don't know if you're into this. But I did 
It was fun. I ran with my one friend, which is awesome. And to be completely honest, she deserves all the credit because she gave me a piggyback ride for half of the race. So I shout out to her. No, not that. But I have registered for a lot of full marathons in the last year and a half. And I think I mentioned last week as well that I haven't run a full marathon for over a year and a half. And that was shocking to me as someone who used to run so many full marathons, half marathons in one year. Um, I, I was surprised by that. I, I genuinely myself, I was surprised by that, that it had been that long. And in learning that and realizing that it mind effed me. It just like, it really messed with me. And it, because I think I would have thought like, oh, it's been a while. But to actually hear that it had been that long and to realize like, whoa, you know, I kind of thought, well, I'm not super in shape for this, but I'm fine. Like I, I'm in shape, you know, I do this, my body's used to it. And to really see that, um, and no, your body's not used to this because it's been so long since you have covered this much distance. I was very doubtful and did not have any confidence going into this as well at all. And in how I kind of started this, I've registered for a lot of full marathons in the last year and a half. And in every single situation where I am signed up to run a full marathon, if there's a half marathon, I have either stepped down to that or not done the races at all. I've lost a ton of money in that process. I have lost a ton of confidence in that process. I have just, I've lost a ton of discipline in that. And figuring that out, the day before, basically, or a couple of days before you were supposed to run a full marathon is not great for your mental game. And to be honest, if my one friend, and I always call her my one friend, in real life, I call her SR, but her name is Sarah. And she used to blog at Skinny Runner. And now she's Borrows Houndbone on Instagram. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. She's awesome. Really, really strong runner. Qualifies for Boston. Every race. Like, she's amazing. She, I, I have to give her the credit because if she didn't come out all the way from Alaska or wherever she lives to run with me, I probably would have been like, well, I could just do the half, you know. I'll start training. I'll ramp it up again. And then I'll do a full marathon but I knew she wasn't coming all this way just to run a half marathon. She likes to run full marathons and it just, I was like, all right, let's do it. If not for having that additional kind of pressure, not, she wasn't putting any pressure on me, but me knowing, Hey, like she came out here to run this race with you, run the race. I I probably would have stepped back again and I did. Okay. I, and I needed that. I needed that for the confidence. I think the, the thing that builds confidence more than anything is doing the damn thing. Like doing the thing that you think, I'm not sure if I can do this or I'm going to suck at this <laughs> or whatever. I genuinely have joked several times with people. I need to just run a full marathon, get my ass handed to me. And so that I start really training for it again. But 
part of me thought, what if I can't do it? What if I have a nervous breakdown? What if I want to bail out? Like, is this real? It was just like a lot of stuff. These are random thoughts. And I'm sure my thoughts while running are a lot less coherent than that. I'm not saying something because I don't think this whole line of thinking right now is, is super easy to follow. Um, the point is that I have just like gotten very far away from who I am and who I want to be as a runner and where my goals are. And I didn't realize how far I have gotten from that until realizing how long it's been since I've run slash trained for a full marathon and how many times in the last year and a half I have just like did a DNS do did not start right a DNF is in runner lingo DNF is did not finish DNS is did not start I've had so many did not starts in the last year and a half because I just knew like, I am not ready for this. And part of it is that I'm not ready for this because I haven't been training seriously. And I haven't been training seriously sometimes because I just haven't stepped it up and made myself. But there have been time periods in the last year and a half too, where it's like, because I, I couldn't, like, I was just like, not in a good place in life to think of running in that way and running had just been like therapy, a hobby, a nice time, self-care, like whatever I needed to call it. There was a big time period where running was just supposed to be my outlet. And it it should be like a fun thing. And I I do think running should be a fun thing. I genuinely think that after I hit, I just want to run one marathon PR just to like end it with. And then I will be done with full marathons for potentially ever, if not a very, very long time. Like I'm not someone that always needs to be, obviously, I know this is shocking to you. Um, I'm not someone that needs to be constantly chasing down a PR um, or a new goal or a longer distance. I like to travel. I like to run. I like to run while I'm traveling. So I would like to do more half marathons and do them in different states and different countries. Uh, But I just think the full marathon is just really, really challenging, especially if you are chasing down a goal. And so there's that. And it was a good reminder. And it was such a big confidence booster to me to realize that I can still do it. Um, And part of me definitely wants to still do it because of the circumstances with SR traveling and my car desperately needed new tires. My brother kind of lives out towards where the race started. It's like an hour and a half away. And the last time I went over, he's like, what are you doing? I already told you your tires are like bald because I'm like, oh, I just thought they were flat. This is like, I'm, I'm just not good with this. So Saturday morning before the race, I took my car in, got all new tires, packed all my stuff up, went to get Sarah. And by the time we got close to the race expo area, it was like 4.30. Neither one of us have eaten lunch. And so we stopped at Chick-fil-A, obviously. And (laughs) 
because it ended up being so late in the day and like we went to go get our bibs, we stayed overnight at my Nino and Nina's house. And for I, I'm pausing there because people often ask me when I say that my Nino and Nina are my godparents. And that's just what you call them in Spanish. And I'm Mexican. So that's why I call them that. They live out there. And we stayed over there by the time we kind of got settled. We just kind of snacked, but we didn't really like eat dinner. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, like we knew we were like, this is an ideal. We were kind of saying as we ate Chick-fil-A, but I don't think we realized that it was also like kind of dinner. Uh, so there's that. And also a couple of days before the race, I woke up feeling sick and tried to fight it off. But the race kind of pushed me over into being sick. So in this conversation with Ashley, I talked to her the day after the marathon. And you can kind of hear that I'm a little sick. I'm a little bit of a mouth breather during this conversation, which is wildly attractive, I know. Um, so just a heads up, I think I sound a little congested. It's just mocos. It's not attractive. It's not a good thing. But it is what it is. This is life, right? Running 26 miles is hard on your body. And you can't expect to fight off any illness when you are challenging yourself on that level. So let me know if you have any questions. I already I did like a quick race recap. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, as well as a ton of um, pictures and stuff that you can check out at runeatrepeat.com. Also at running repeat on Instagram, I had a uh, did a bunch of stories over race weekend. Those are the best. I didn't even save them actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, because when I am running with a running buddy, I am maybe I'm not fun. What? I feel like it's like a significantly more fun experience. And it's just like, we're joking and just having a good time. And you got to follow the instas for that and check that out. But like I said, I'll put links in the show notes to that, as well as if you're getting FOMO, because I feel like a lot of people are racing and talking about race recaps right now, check out my race discounts page. There's Rock and Roll LA, Rock and Roll Vegas, Lexus Lace-Up races coming, a ton of races. So make sure that you register sooner rather than later and use the discount codes on my page to save some money. And now let's get to the main event. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for being on the Running Repeat podcast today. I wanted to start off with asking, you are a New York City resident and marathon runner, but how did you get here? Sure. Well, first of all, Monica, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today and share a little bit of my story and then um, share some insights on this incredible race. But how did a girl from Georgia get to be a New Yorker? I guess almost a New Yorker. New Yorkers say that once you've lived in the city for 10 years, you can officially call yourself a New Yorker. So I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> but our careers brought both my husband and I to New York quite a while ago. We first moved to New York in 2008 when we were engaged. I was in a couple of cities before that, but I moved from Philadelphia to New York in 2008 and then lived here for five years before moving abroad, but then returned three years ago to call it home again. So in total, I've lived in New York for eight years. Oh, very close. And, yeah, <laughs> so very close. And I'm so thankful for running because running actually was what helped me discover and fall in love with New York because I believe that running is the best way to discover any city, whether it's your hometown, 
a new city you're visiting or a city that you're just moving to. And when I moved to New York, I had just started running recently. So I started running as a way to lose weight my senior year of college in 2006. But running then evolved into something that really helped me make new friends in new cities when I graduated from college and moved to Pennsylvania, meeting new people. And it's something that one of my best friends and I did together, choosing different races. So starting from a 5K to a 10K to a half marathon, for me, it was a progression. And after running, you know, when you run your first half marathon, especially if it's a half marathon that is paired with a marathon, which is how Philadelphia was the year I did that half marathon, I was like, oh my gosh, these people are incredible. They're about to go out and run double the distance that I am. I want to be able to do that someday. And moving to New York, there's, I mean, I'm sure people in Boston feel the same way, but when you live in a city that has such an incredible marathon and you feel that presence, even just as a local living in town, I had this strong desire to want to run the New York City Marathon. Mm-hmm. And that was actually my first marathon. And when did you run it? So I first ran New York in 2010. And there are multiple ways of qualifying or gaining a bib for New York. You can, there's really three primary ways. There is the lottery, which is very difficult. <laughs> there is charity, which can also be difficult for a different reason because you have to raise such a large amount of money. And then if you are local to New York and you're a member of New York Roadrunners, which is the running organization that hosts um, the New York Marathon, you can run nine of their races and volunteer for one to get a bib for the New York Marathon for the following year. And so that's what I did. Um, I basically dedicated 2009 to running races with New York Roadrunners, which is also a great way to start training for a longer distance. And then was able to have a bib for the 2010 New York Marathon. Awesome. So do you have to run all of those nine races in a certain amount of time? Yep. You have to run it in a single calendar year. Oh, wow. Um, and you sign up as a New York Roadrunner member. But the great thing that really makes it, takes out the intimidation factor is they have races ranging from one mile to half marathons, marathons, 5Ks, four milers. So there's really something for everyone. And you could qualify for the marathon through the nine plus one by running all shorter distances. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have to run marathons or half marathons. Um, They really have something for everyone. That is awesome. So that's how you got in in 2010? Yes, that is how I received my bid for 2010 for the marathon. Awesome. And have you run New York more than once? I have. So I ran New York in 2010 and 2011. Then I trained for New York in 2012, um, but that was the Sandy year. So understandably, they canceled it last minute and I ended up doing Philadelphia. And then I've done Hartford and Berlin after that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Did you come back? And because when they canceled it for Sandy, people could defer, right? And come back? They could. You could defer it and there were a multitude of different things you could do. And at that point I was fully trained, you know, you put in so much time for training for a marathon that I was like, this is my year. I'm in great shape personally for where I was. I really wanted to do it. So I then actually did not defer it. I just went and ran Philadelphia. And then the following year I ended up doing Hartford because I wanted to do a marathon and I was living abroad. Um, and my best friend was doing Hartford. So I said I would fly back over and run Hartford with her. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 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 
how did you do in Philadelphia? Because I feel like since running is so psychological, that could really mess with you with having to not run this race that you're working towards and have to switch up what race you're running and where you're running. So it definitely changed a lot of things for me. I mean, first of all, the Philadelphia Marathon is incredible. They have great crowd support. It is a PR-friendly course, which is the reason a lot of people will run it, um, hoping for a PR. And we had perfect weather that day. But for me, it also became running for something bigger. I had so many friends and coworkers who were devastated through Hurricane Sandy. And so this was kind of a way for me to run for them, run for all the people who couldn't run. And then I also ended up fundraising for Philadelphia in order to get the bid. So it was also raising money for a very important cause. So I think Philadelphia being my third marathon, which was also my PR, um, it was, it was an incredible day that as I look back on all of my marathons, you know, New York is definitely the best experience ever, but Philadelphia was very special that day. Mm-hmm. How do you compare Berlin to New York? Oh, gosh. Um, so to understand Berlin, it's really, first and foremost, you have to think about it's in a foreign country. It's in Germany. So people on the sidelines, the the course is very flat. So it's very different from New York. So it's a flat course. It is earlier in the year. So sometimes, similar to Chicago, you don't know what you're going to get weather-wise. I ran it on a really hot day. So that is definitely, you don't know what you're going to get in regards to weather. And Berlin, for me, I was so accustomed to running larger races and larger, where spectators were super excited and along the whole course that I found Berlin to be a little bit quieter. Mm -hmm. But it was also just incredible because you're running through this city that has so much history. And for me, it was also my first time traveling to Berlin. So I felt like I was taking in the sights as I was running, but I also made a huge mistake that so many people do because my husband and I toured the city the day previous. So on my feet way too much the previous day before running a marathon, but Berlin, if you're looking to run an international marathon, I mean, Berlin, Paris, and London are three phenomenal, very well-organized marathons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've just heard Berlin is amazing. And obviously it's a really fast course. So there are, really, you know, good runners from all over the world coming out to do it. And yeah, I know it's a huge goal race for a lot of people that like to run and travel. Yeah. And it, there's so much to see in that city. So it was really, the atmosphere is very fun and it's right before Oktoberfest. So there's no shortage of things to do before and after the marathon. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it is so true, though, with what you say, when you start with New York, which is a marathon unlike any, and I run a lot of marathons, like, and I can say that the crowd support and the buzz, it's unlike anything I've experienced, that it kind of almost spoils you when you go do another race anywhere else, because it's like the, the energy there is just amazing. Yeah, the energy, it is like a 26.2-mile street party. I mean, yes. even even as someone who's spectated, I've spectated every year since we've been back, um, I love cheering for my friends in Brooklyn right around mile seven. And, I mean, the crowd is seven people deep. You know, you are here cheering. There are people with water, oranges, and everyone is just out there to support other people. Some people who are out there cheering, they don't even know how long a marathon is. They know mm-hmm. nothing about running. They just know there are incredible people, whether it's elites or it's people who are out there supporting the Achilles runners who are 
running and just trying to finish just so many different people from all walks of life and you just everyone comes together to support and so that day is such it is such a special Sunday in New York every single year yeah it's so so awesome so since you mentioned Berlin flat I wanted to talk about kind of preparing for New York and specifically kind of training and the course what is the course like so the course is definitely not flat. The course mm-hmm. is a lot of people talk about dividing the course up into the different boroughs because you have the chance to go through all the different boroughs. But there are hills throughout the course. It is, you know, you start off crossing a bridge, which is, of course, a hill in itself. So you have multiple bridges. You have multiple longer hills. So when you look at the elevation map beforehand, you may look at it and you're like, oh, that's not too bad or that's just a gentle incline. But when you're getting to mile 23 and you realize that there's a mile straight heading towards Central Park that is basically a gradual hill, by that point in the marathon, anything feels like 10 times worse than it may look on an elevation map. So when it comes to training for New York, I always recommend to people that first and foremost, if you are a local, run the bridges, run the hills of Central Park as much as possible it is really easy to run different bridges and parts of the course when you're training. And there are a lot of local training groups that will actually have training runs along the course. But even if you're not a local, it is easy to simulate bridges, simulate long climbs on treadmills, or even, you know, getting out and running and finding different hilly paths where you live, but making sure that you're not just simulating that in your short runs, but in your longer runs, because it's important to know that, even up through mile 24, you're going to be tackling hills. So making sure that your muscle endurance and your mental um, strength is there to be tackling hills. So I always recommend to people when they're doing their, whatever their long run is, whether they get up to 22 miles or 20 miles, making sure that in those 20 milers, they have hills throughout versus just maybe sprinkled in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is so true that it also helps your mental endurance because I think hills look that much worse in a race because you see people going up them in front of you and it just always looks that much harder. Like, oh, it's more obvious what you're about to tackle. So it is good to kind of know, have confidence that you you trained on this. Yeah. And I think even, you know, reading... For me, anytime I'm running a race, whether I'm running a 5K, a half marathon, or a marathon, reading race caps beforehand. So going online, 50,000 people run New York Marathon every single year. There is no shortage of race recaps online. And so whether it's the Pinterest board that I have that has tons of different race recaps or even Runner's World, New York Road Runners, reading different recommendations and reading the experiences that people have will just really help you feel like you have run the race. And there's also, there's an awesome video on YouTube that is a simulation of the course, or it's actually, I think they have like a car that went through like one of those Google map cams. So you can see the course ahead of time. And that's talk about the best way to get excited before race day, spend 30 minutes and read some of the race recaps and watch that video. And you will be so pumped for your race. So when I show up at a race and I ask the person next to me at the starting line, is this race hilly? That's bad. That's what not to do. 
because <laughs> yeah, that's, that is that's, like, <laughs> unless you really like being surprised, <laughs> that could lead to six or seven hours of misery. But yeah, <laughs> every single time too, we've answered that question for you yes. today. It is hilly. Yes, it is hilly. Heads up, you can check out the course. Do not do as. Ashley says, not as I do, because I am the worst with looking into stuff beforehand. Um, in terms of logistics, it is, I don't even know how they pull this off, but they do. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't even imagine, because obviously I can't be bothered to Google a race course elevation chart, but they're getting, you know, over 50,000 people to the starting location and it's a point to point course. So it's 26 miles away from the finish. You can either take a bus or a ferry. Can you tell us about that? Cause this is all very overwhelming. Sure. So I would say that getting to the start of the New York marathon can be intimidating and overwhelming for a lot of people. And my friend, Mary, who's been training with team and kids for her first marathon, which is New York this year, go Mary. This was the first thing she asked me. She's like, Ashley, they told me to sign up for, an option, like, I don't even know what this means. So you're right, Monica, there's two options. There's the ferry, which is by water, and there's the bus, which is by land. And they both have their pros and their cons. I always chose the ferry because I think it's such a fun, scenic way to start the morning. You're watching the sunrise. You can see Fort Wadsworth and Staten Island, the distance. You get closer, you can see the bridge. I mean, it's just such a fun feeling. And you're surrounded by all of these other runners on the ferry. And for me, it was a blast. Other people want to know that they're going to be able to sit and that they're going to be warm. And that is definitely what the bus can guarantee. And the bus also, depending where you're staying in the city, may be a more convenient option because the bus leaves from the New York, the main New York public library. And so it's a pretty central area in Manhattan that's easy for people to get to. So the biggest thing to do is make sure that you register for one of those two options. Make sure that you know your time that you're supposed to get there and then make sure that you give yourself time to get to either of those pickup points because, you know, the city, while it is a huge day for New York, that early in the morning, sometimes, whether it's getting taxis, getting subways, getting Ubers, whatever it is, just make sure, especially if you're from out of town, like take a minute to ask your Airbnb host or ask your hotel you know, where's the closest subway station? Which one do I need to take so that you're not stressed about it that morning? For sure. And there are a lot of people trying to get to the same location that you are. So even if it is really early or yeah, on a weekend, there are a lot of people. So there will still be that congestion. And I like to thinking about it in a way that is not because oftentimes when I think about race morning logistics, it's just kind of like, getting there, dealing with traffic, parking, whatever it is. But the way you describe the ferry, it's like, that's part of the race. That's part of race day, you know, like being with the other runners and being watching like the sun come up or whatever, whatever time it is that you are going over there, just enjoying the view. I mean, literally enjoying the view on the ferry is a different way to think about it instead of just like, where do I need to be? And when do I need to be there? Just enjoying that. It's, part of the process of the New York City Marathon. Yeah, it, it is all, you know, like running a marathon. It's all about the mentality. And a couple of things that I would say with race morning is make sure to dress warmly, especially if you take the ferry option. So I always tell friends that I wore robes, fleece robes that I picked up 
um, in, I think it was at CVS for like $4.99, this hideous but super fun pink robe. I wore that with an old pair of sweatpants. So I had all of my throwaway clothes on. And then I was able to use the same clothes when I was sitting waiting at Fort Wadsworth to start. But like really embrace it and have fun. Talk to the people that are there running. You'll be, you'll quickly find people who are either running your same pace or who are other locals or who are other tourists who are it's their first time in New York. And I mean, it's such a great atmosphere. Like, sure, there's a nervous energy because all of these people are up and who knows what the weather is going to be like. And you're waiting to hear that it's time to get in your corral, but you can really enjoy and embrace the fact that you have 50,000 people from all over the world in one place, all with that same goal that you have. And that's to cross the starting line and to cross the finish line and hopefully do so in a healthy manner. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty awesome experience. Yeah, for sure. And I do think that people do want to talk, you know, cause it is like you're waiting around for so long and you do have this thing in common and you really can meet the most interesting people. It's super awesome. So yeah, I think that, and it kind of helps the time go by, helps you, if you're focused on someone else's story, you're not focused on your own nervousness. There's just make friends. Yep. Agree. <laughs> I know the other thing that a lot of people will ask with kind of the craziness of the race morning, or I should say even mid morning, you know, one year that I ran, I started at nine forty. the other year I started at ten forty. So that's a big difference from the early morning long runs that I was accustomed to. So Fueling is the other thing that a lot of first-time New York Marathon runners will ask me. They're like, well, what did you do? Like, I typically run at 6 a.m., and now I'm not going to be starting until mid-morning. And so my recommendation that worked for me, of course, stick with what you know, but stick with the same times that you've used. So personally, when I was marathon training or even training for a half, I eat an hour before I start my race. So what I would do for New York is right when I woke up in the morning, I would have something. So Typically, I would have like a banana and maybe a half piece of toast and some water or some noon for some extra electrolytes. But then an hour before I was going to start or an hour and a half, I had my food, my pre-raised food with me there at the starting area. So I was able to have my banana, peanut butter sandwich. I had my water that I was going to have. I had a coffee that I brought with me. I kept everything the same. So even though the time was a little bit different, the pacing stayed the same and making sure that you have all that together in your bag makes it really easy. So you're not stressing out running around trying to find a random coffee station. Oh, and the other thing that I tell everyone to carry with them on race day, toilet paper. You don't want to have to depend on there being toilet paper in the porta potties on the race course or when you're waiting for the race to start. So having some of that with you. And that's also another way to make friends because there will be people looking for toilet paper. Looking for toilet paper. Making toilet... See? Look at this. Yeah, I always have... I never bring toilet paper, to be honest, even though I know this is like a good tip. But I always have a paper towel stuck in my sports bra because I use it to blow my nose because I don't know how to do a snot rocket. I run with this every single day and I just bring two for like a marathon or a half marathon just in case. Boom. That's perfect. Random. Yes. And I totally agree too with keeping it the same and just maybe switching up, you know, obviously like the timing of it based on if a race is a little later, but it's still, 
the time on the clock is different, but the time from when you start running is similar in terms of usually eat right. an hour before a run. You're going to eat an hour before a race. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like to eat a lot or whatever. I'm just like afraid of having an upset stomach. Pack it with you. And if you decide, you know, in that like situation, you're waiting there that you don't want to or can't eat it. I say it's always better to have like extra food in a situation like that versus not having any way to get fuel and feeling like I'm really hungry or I'm really thirsty and not having access to it. So bring it with you. If you don't want it, you can offer it to whoever. Agree. And it's, you know, that's just another way to make friends. See, Monica and Ashley are going to provide everyone. We are making so many friends. friends on race morning. See, this is really, this, I don't know if anyone's going to take advice from me for making friends since I notoriously say that I have one friend, but maybe I should all uh, listen I mean, I to this show. I became friends when we were doing Reach the Beach because we gave each other food. So I think it all goes back to that. I totally agree. I feel like I lost all my friends on the night run when I started crying though. <laughs> That is another episode for another day and a true story. Okay. Do you have any tips for the expo? The expo, I think, is really big. Um, It's huge. Yeah. Oh, I have. So I have also volunteered at the expo three times, which is such an amazing experience because you can learn how to say welcome in so many different languages and get to see firsthand all the people coming from all over to run this race. But yes. My tips are go as early as you can. If you are a local, go on the first day as bright and early as you can or as soon as you get off work. And if you're traveling in for the expo, do everything in your power to not go to the expo on Saturday at the last minute because it really, the lines can get very long. I mean, they do a great job of trying to move everyone through quickly, but it is a process um, just like any expo. I think the other thing is, figuring out what you really want and what you need. So I do my best anytime I travel for a race, whether it's a half marathon, marathon, anything, I bring everything with me and I carry on on the plane, anything that I can, because you don't want to depend on them having it at the expo. And even an expo as large as New York City Marathon, if there is a certain goo flavor that you've used the entire time, let's call it salted caramel, and that's just like, that's your jam and that's what your stomach knows and what you know. And if you get there and they're sold out, like you don't want to be trucking all through New York looking for that. So bring your essentials, but then have fun at the expo. They have awesome gear. I mean, just like so many of the other marathons, you're going to want to spend a lot of money. So maybe give yourself a budget. So a lot of my friends will say that they get one item before the race. And then if it's an awesome race that they know they're going to want to remember or really capture it, they can get something afterwards. But give yourself a budget and don't... There are so many food vendors. I mean, Monica, I'm sure you've seen this before. They have everyone and anyone, whether it's drinks, fuel, food, recovery gear. Don't, this is not the time to try tons of new food. So I've made this mistake before, luckily not before a marathon, but I've been like, oh, there's this new bar flavor and there's this new energy shot. Let me try this. And your stomach is not really happy. So take in, take everything in, take samples don't try new things at the expo for sure. And take a picture. If it's something you're like super curious about, especially if you know, and we all know ourselves, like if you have a sensitive stomach, like I was saying with bringing your fuel, like that's okay, but you need to know your body and know how to accommodate it and take a picture of it. So you can remember for later and you can look them up and get it another way. 
Exactly. And the other thing that's great at this expo, like many expos, is they have so many different expert booths. So you can talk to pace teams and decide if that's something that you do want to do. And you can get pacing car, you know, uh, wristbands. You can talk to people about the course and get their tips. Let's say that you wear KT tape, like you can go and get taped and have an expert actually tape you before the race or making sure that you know how to foam roll or listening to experts. So it really is depending on the time that you have, it can be an awesome, valuable experience. But then for some people, they're like, you know what, I just want to get in and out. I want to get my bib. And if that's what you want to do, then try and go as soon as it opens on whatever day you go, line up, get in there, have your ID ready, have your printout ready that shows you're all registered and you can get in and out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so true. If you're averse to crowds, good luck because it's going to be a crowded little morning. But um, yeah, like try to avoid it then and make it that much easier. So you can be in and out, which is what I kind of like to do now. Exactly. And then this may sound silly, but learning from other people's experiences, I feel like it's only fair to share with you guys. Once you get that bib, treat it like gold. Don't spend a day shopping throughout the city and maybe leave it in a store or at a museum. So maybe like go back to your hotel or where you're staying and drop it off with everything because it's a chaotic time period. You know, if it's your first time in New York or you're visiting people, you could be all over the place. And the last thing you want to do is be panicked searching for your bib. So make sure to treat it like gold once you do pick it up. You know what? It's funny you say that, but I'm pretty sure Sarah lost her bib one year. And had to go back. Like, now that you're saying that, this is kind of triggering a memory that, yeah, she, like, frantically, because after she got her bib, lost it somewhere and had to go back. And they will pull you from the course. Like, they are very diligent about not letting people run this race if they do not, if they're not registered and not wearing a bib. So you need to wear it. And, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. You have to have it, have it pinned on, have it visible. So, yeah, just make sure that the same precautions that you would take with any race, but especially with this one, because it's just like, who are you going to call if it's Saturday night and you're laying out all your race gear and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't have my bib or I don't have the little thing that has to go on your shoe in order to show that you crossed the starting line. So things like that, those are your essentials for race day. So make sure that you have them. For sure. And I really like the flat runner concept. I like laying everything out and pinning your bib on whatever you're going to wear beforehand and just head to toe knowing that you have everything you need. Exactly. I mean, I, I may or may not have done that yesterday for my half that's coming up on Saturday. It just keeps, it's one less thing to worry about. So even more so for a marathon, just have it all in one place. And that way you can enjoy yourself on Saturday versus being stressed out, trying to find things last minute. For sure. Um, so in terms of the course, and it is such an amazing course, do you have a favorite part? Oh my gosh. So as someone who's cheering, I absolutely love mile seven in Brooklyn because I feel like that is when, and I've heard, I felt this way when I ran it and I've had a lot of other people who've said this, that the first few miles, you know, the first mile and a half or two miles, you're on the bridge and then you're going through a quieter area of Brooklyn and like mile six seven, that's really when the party kicks into full gear. Mm -hmm. So that, and there's a lot of stations there, like water stations, fuel, and a lot of the charities have stations there as well. So the crowd is so loud. So that's really when the fun begins. But, oh my gosh, the gospel singers up in, um, I believe it's in Harlem. I, a lot of people love First Avenue. 
and they call it the wall of sound when you're coming off the Queensboro Bridge. For me, that wasn't my favorite area. I actually kind of felt intimidated and overwhelmed as I was my first year doing it. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, there's all these people screaming at me and I'm tired and they just won't screaming and telling me to run faster. And that was just, <laughs> I was the first time marathoner and I didn't even know. And now like my second time doing it, I was like, Oh, this is pretty awesome. But for me, there was no better feeling than you're crossing back into Manhattan. You know, you have less than six miles and you're just, you're like, I'm going to do this. You know, even if I end up walking or if I have to stop or I'm having the best day and I'm just flying, it's the energy at this point. You have everyone who's out there trying to see their special someone or just to cheer everyone on. And as you turn into Central Park, it's just, I mean, your heart is exploding because you know that everything you've worked so hard for is coming to fruition and the leaves are beautiful in Central Park. Everyone's cheering and it's just, it's awesome. So for me, those final miles are just my absolute favorite part. Mm-hmm. But I, there really is something for everyone. If you want to see local gospel singers singing outside their church, you will get that. If you want kids who are giving out lemonade that they made and orange slices in the neighborhood, you'll get that. If you want to see the incredible buildings in Manhattan or have views of the city from the different bridges, you have that as well. And so there's so many times on the course where you're just running because it's hilly. You can see different things where you're running. You're like, oh my gosh, I am running in one of the biggest cities in the world. I'm just getting this awesome tour firsthand of the different tastes and feels of the different boroughs. Yes. And that actually is another good reason to check out the course map before so that you know when you're going through a certain area where you are, you know, and what is kind of notable about it. Yep, exactly. And I think the bigger thing that I'd love to share is also is like my tips for people who have friends or family who want to spectate because the race is such a large race and there is so much crowd support that can be a little intimidating or actually very intimidating, especially if you're coming from out of town, your family is of figuring out how do they get to different places. And so if you're okay, Monica, I'd love to share a couple of the tips for spectators that yeah, will help yeah, make sure that runners it. are able to see them. So the biggest thing is spend some time looking at the course, knowing yourself and knowing your spectators and figure out I always tell people choose two kind of no miss and then maybe a third nice to have figure out what side of the street they are going to be on or you are going to be on. And so a lot of times when I ran, it was, okay, I am only going to run on the left side as much as possible, especially around the miles where I know I have friends or family who are going to be spectating. Um, a lot of my friends, for example, Theodora, when they have people come in from out of town, making it convenient for subways, because I mean, when you have 50,000 people running through New York, the number of streets that are shut down, taking the subway is really the only option. So there are also a couple of places in the course, especially in Manhattan, where you can see them, you can see them on First Avenue, and then you have enough time to walk over, head over, um, cross town into the park or take the subway into the park. So you can see them multiple times there. And then deciding to stand near something that'll be easy to find. So I always tell friends to tell their friends or family to choose a mile marker. So let's say someone's going to see you at mile 7, 13, and 24. And I just chose all of those arbitrarily because it's probably impossible if I went to the, <laughs> went to the course to look. But 
stand as close as possible to the seven mile sign because there are huge, the mile markers are huge for New York. Like you're not going to miss them when you're running on the course. And so if you know that your mom is going to be staying on the left side near the seven mile marker, then when you start to see the seven mile, mile marker and you start looking, you're going to see her. Like it makes it that much easier. And then the other thing is wear really bright, obnoxious clothes. Mm-hmm. So whether that's neon green or red, just not all black or not anything New York because then it'll just blend with so many other people. But something that makes it really easy, especially if these loved ones or friends are going to be holding something that you really want, like extra fuel, or if you know that you're going to want to give them a layer of clothing or give them a water bottle, making sure that you're able to see them easily will just make it even easier for you to to connect. Yes, I love that. That is so important. And I think too, I was kind of thinking... Even if you don't want to post your flat runner to your social media, sending it to your spectators so they know exactly what you're wearing that day, so they know what they're looking for. Exactly. And the other thing is um, New York Roadrunners does have, or the New York Marathon has an app that most years works really, really well. It may not, you know, the exact pace for the person you're tracking may be off by a couple of seconds, but I always use that when I'm at mile seven to figure out when my friends are going to be coming and it's pretty accurate. So if your friends or family um, use that, then it'll be easier for them to track you and make sure that they're making it to different points. Yes. And it is so the, the cheering really is so amazing that it is hard to hear. Even if you are passing by, this isn't a situation where someone can just call your name and you'll hear it because they're just, they have noisemakers and they're screaming and you might pass someone that will later say, Hey, I saw you. I was screaming and you didn't hear it because it's just so loud. So definitely I think this is having a plan beforehand is really important. Also for some people who are used to running smaller local races, you have to keep in mind is that they also shut down most of the streets in both directions. So you have multiple lanes, which is great as a runner because imagine if they only shut down one lane, then it would be really, really crowded. But you're like the course is not just one single lane. So you're talking about having to cross as if you're in a car crossing four or five lanes of a street. Um, mm-hmm. That's how wide the course is in many different areas. So someone could be on the opposite side screaming your name and you won't hear them. And if you, as I think, you and I both would recommend if you have your name on your bib and on your shirt where it's really easy to read, it's not just going to be your supporters calling your name. You're going to have strangers supporting you and calling your name all day long throughout the race. So it's hard to discern them from your actual friends or family. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is very, very true. Such a good reminder. Now, New York has amazing food. I know we're not supposed to try anything new on race day, but do you have any good food, food suggestions for fueling up beforehand or after? Oh man, after so many. Um, beforehand, here are a couple of tips that I give is know yourself. So let's say that you are a pizza person and you have pizza every Friday before your long run on Saturday morning. Then make sure to have that plan and do not risk not making reservations. So in a city like New York, especially on one of the busiest weekends, places that are typically just casual walk-in restaurants become reservation only. So take the time, go on open table, ask your Airbnb host, ask a friend, call your hotel, but make a reservation. You can always cancel it, but having a reservation is so much better than 
the number of people that have had text me or call last minute saying, hey, I'm in town. We're going to go to this place, but they're totally booked. Where would you recommend? And, you know, most runners are going to the Italian or the pizza Mm -hmm. places or the pasta places. So the great news is pizza is a staple in New York. New York does pizza really well, and New York does Italian food really well as well. So whether you want to go to Little Italy downtown or Little Italy up in the Bronx to get the true experience, or you want to go to one of the classic pizza places or just one of the corner options, there are plenty of options, but I would recommend making reservations. A lot of people, especially if you're staying in Midtown, there's a number of Serafina. I believe that's what's called Serafina. It's an Italian, I guess, mini chain that has a couple of locations in town. A lot of people have done that before. So just think making sure that you have reservations and you get in early enough because most people want to go to bed or be back Mm -hmm. at their hotel pretty early on race night. So not having to worry about that. And then I think exactly as what we've said multiple times, but it really, especially in a city like New York, where so many people come here and they're playing tourists as part of their, you know, it's a race vacation or a racecation. Just, just be smart. I will tell people if they email me or they reach out to me on my blog and they say, hey, I'm coming to New York to run the marathon. What are your tips? I'd say give yourself Monday at least. Like don't fly out until Tuesday so you can enjoy the city and take in all the sites and the food and the alcoholic beverages, if you wish, and all of those fun things on Sunday after the race and Monday. So that Saturday you can be kind of, I mean, quote unquote boring, like have those things that you typically have so that you're not dealing with anything on race day. And so stick as much to what makes you and your body happy 24 to 36 hours before the race um, so that you have a great race day. For sure. Because yes, you're before race day, like the day before it is your job to rest, hydrate and fuel. And those should be the priority. And I know it's like, if you are traveling, you want to take advantage, but that is going to impact your race. And because it starts so late too, um, it's hard to take advantage right after the race. You might want to kind of rest. So having an extra day the next day, you don't feel as pressured to try to pack things in. And the other thing, so there are a couple of great references for New York. There is a website, The Infatuation, and then there's also a website, Eater. And so those have great roundups of great pizza restaurants, Italian restaurants. Maybe you like burgers before a race. Like whatever you want, they will be able to give you a list in different um, areas of the city so that you can find something that's convenient to you. And then for afterwards, I always tell people it is so fun to have something to look, look forward to. So once again, even if you cancel because maybe the race didn't go the way you wanted or the way you hoped and you're not feeling like going out, but make a reservation for somewhere really fun that's been on your list or that you've had people recommend for Sunday night later in the evening. So you have time to go back and shower and maybe take a little nap, but go somewhere fun for drinks, make a reservation and be able to look forward to that. And then Oh my gosh, go and get Levan Bakery cookies. These cookies are incredible. I recommend going there to anyone who's coming to New York. So even if you go before the race and you save them to enjoy after the race, but these cookies are memorable. They, when you first look at them, they look like they're the same size as a regular cookie, but then when you turn them on their side, they are so thick and gooey and they are what cookie dreams are made of. So go to Levan Bakery and get those to enjoy after the race as well. Yes, a thousand percent. I was about to ask you because I couldn't remember if that was the name. I'm like, are those the ones that are really thick? But then you're just, I was, cause yes. yes, I have, I have had those and they are 
amazing. Amazing. Yeah, they are. They're great. And their main, um, their main bakery is right in the Upper West Side, right near where you will finish the race on race day. So it's fun to go there beforehand or afterwards to either get to see part of the course or relive the memories afterwards. For sure. And I, I love your tip too about planning something for after the race because I think a lot of times, obviously, you want something. You want to celebrate and refuel, indulge, whatever you want to call it. But you also are tired and don't want to think. So if you are trying to yelp, you know, later in the day after a marathon when your blood sugar is low, like you want to, <laughs> if you already have that set, then it's that much easier and more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, the number of arguments that Bo and I have had either the night before a race or race day because of that. Like now we kind of have a rule that beforehand, when you're fresh and excited, you make the reservation for dinner before, you know, what's going on for pre-race breakfast and you have your plan for afterwards and everyone will be happy. Your spectators, like they need to refuel spectating's hard. So it'll be a win-win for everyone in your party. For sure. I totally agree. And now I just want to ask you some fun questions, unless you had anything else you wanted to add. I think the only thing I would add is to anyone listening, I am so passionate about this race and love the city of New York, all of the boroughs, New York Roadrunners for running it, and for the New York City Marathon. So if anyone has questions, whether it's reaching out on Instagram or Twitter or email or the blog, like I am happy to answer questions and provide more tips and ideas. So feel free to reach out um, at any point leading up to race day so that you have your best race possible. How do they contact you? What's your best contact info? Um, they can't probably the easiest is on Instagram. Um, my handle is healthy happier, or you can go to my blog, my healthy happier life um, and leave a comment or click on the contact me information there. But I look at all the DMS on Instagram or on Twitter as well. Healthy happier. So just reach out and I will be sure to get back to you. Perfect. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if anyone wants to check it out, as well as hopefully a picture of you in your robe before the race. Because that's my next request. I was like, I need to see this. We need to see this in the notes. You in your robe about to run a marathon. (laughs) Okay. Um, What is your favorite race or race distance to run so favorite race ever is hands down new york city marathon but right now the marathon and i are on a break we don't know how long the break is we'll figure that out and right now the half marathon is just a distance i've been training for my first half post baby so i gave birth 15 16 months ago um to our little girl katie and so i'm running my first half marathon post baby this saturday But just for the past uh, 10 to 12 years, I've really enjoyed staying in half marathon shape, not necessarily PB or PR shape, but just so I can go out and run, whether it's for fun with friends um, or for racecations or just to try achieving new goals. Um, I really enjoy the half marathon distance because it's enough to be a challenge, but running three days a week and trying to balance career and family and life, it doesn't... for me, at least personally, it doesn't take over my life. So I really enjoy the half marathon. For sure. And you have been crushing it with training. Are you going for a goal or is there anything specific you're kind of chasing down with the race? 
I am. So thanks to people like you, Monica, who we were together um, in Seattle earlier this year with Brooke, kind of told me that, hey, you've got this and this is the time. So I'm going for sub two. Um, so I have run four half marathons that have been 201 or 201 and change. So I'm really hoping to break that lucid sub two this weekend um, in the Brooklyn half marathon here locally. Totally. You're super, super strong. I'm super excited about it because I know you're going to be like beaming. And <laughs> everyone needs to check out your Instagram to see how it goes. Boom. Very true. Love it. What are your favorite running shoes right now or your go-to running shoes? Uh, I am loving the Brooks Levitate 2. Um, so I wore the original Levitate and the Levitate 2 have been even better for me. I feel like they have the perfect balance of support but and cushion, but still being lightweight. And so I am wearing them for the half this weekend and I've been wearing them throughout training. And they also come in really fun, bright colors, which I'm the type of person that when I'm looking down at my feet, I love seeing some neon pink or fun colors. So Me too. I love the Brooks Levitate too. Yes. I love, I love like just like a super bright neon shoe. Love yeah, it. It makes me smile, especially bright and early when it's like 5 a.m. and you're heading out for a long run. It's a perfect way to wake up. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, what is your kind of favorite or must-have item of running gear? Mm, we're going to make it items because I can never just have one thing. Um, I have been listening to podcasts and music on my runs. So headphones. Um, I've been using AirPods but there's different headphones that work for everyone, but just having a way to listen to music or listen to a podcast. And then this training cycle, I, it was really hot and I was tired of dealing with chafing or having shorts run up or capris fall down. So I actually went to wearing the Brooks seven inch, um, longer shorts. They are like a legging short. I don't even know the exact way they kind of look like bike shorts but they are amazing. And I've worn those for actually everyone, um, speed work, long run, you name it, of this training cycle. And they are amazing. I actually just ordered my third pair. Boom. You, that's like all I wear. Like I have I, I mean, worn it for years. You were on it way before I was. And I was like, oh, this is why she's doing this. It makes so much sense. Yes. This is, I mean, I'm like, hey, you guys, we don't have to chafe come over here, check this out. And like, it is taking a while, but people are catching up. And I'm like, I swear by this, this is life changing. Those shorts. So awesome. Yeah, it, it is. I think, Oh, they're the green lights. That's what they're called. Sorry. I was looking up. Yeah. The green light shorts and they have pockets. You can put things in them. You don't chafe. They don't fall down. They hold everything in, but they're not so compressed that you can't breathe either. So I like it. It's the perfect amount of compression. Perfect. And you said, what kind of earphones have you been using? I've been using the Apple AirPods. Okay. So there's the ones that look kind of funny in your ear, the white ones with no cords. But I sweat a lot, as you know, and they stay in my ears um, and they stay charged for the duration of my long run. So they've been a great option for me. And the sweat hasn't really impacted them at all? Nope. It hasn't. Okay. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that actually, because I've been getting a lot of questions, people wanting suggestions for those. And that is another good option. Yeah, they are. They're great. I really, I really like them. The sound quality and they're easy to charge. You can put them in the little white charger 
and they can charge that way, or you can plug that plug plug that and them into your computer uh, as well. And they pair really easily, especially you know if you use an iPhone or use other Apple products, they're easy to pair. Some of us up in here have a <laughs> Samsung Galaxy Note. That when every right. single time I pull it out, people are like, what are you carrying around a laptop for? It's so big, but I don't think it's that big. And this is my next question, which is perfect and related. What are you listening to right now while you're running? So I can, I mix it up. I have a number of Spotify playlists that I listen to that I've built over the years of just fun pump-up jams. But then I also love to kind of just focus on something and gain inspiration. So I've been listening to a couple of different podcasts. I love Allie on the Run. I like the Hurdle um, podcast, Another Mother Runner, and I'll Have Another. So they all are themed around um, health, wellness, running, some incredible interviews with everyone from, you know, everyday mom runners who are just trying to get out there to athletes like Shalane Flanagan or founder of Flywheel or Orange Theory. So lots of way to find inspiration. Um, and for me, this is great, especially when you're going out solo on a long run can be lonely. And for me, it's, I feel like I'm running with friends and getting to have casual conversations and learn um, about them as well while running. And it makes the miles fly by. For the race this week, I think I'm probably going to have my pump up jams going and have a really fun playlist just to keep me company and keep me going, keep the tempo and pace moving um, during the race. For sure. Yeah. For races, I, I do music, but outside of that podcast, what is your favorite, what's your favorite song right now that you're listening to? Uh, Marin five girls like you. Ooh, I have to add that to my playlist. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. And I can re-listen to a song for like two miles. I can put it on repeat and just listen to it over and over. And I feel like that's one of them. There was, I think it was Amanda from Run to the Finish said that her playlist was like four songs. And it was just those on. So I don't know that I can do that, that few, but I like you. If it's a great song or it's one of my favorites, I will have it on there multiple times. So that as it's shuffling, I'll come back to it. Yeah. I Well, my playlist is long, but then I'll just, if there's a song that comes up, and I do usually do a new playlist fairly periodically, depending on if I have an, a race or just like feel like I need to switch it up. And then I'll, if there's a song I'm super into, I'll just pull that one up and press repeat, like so that it just keeps playing. And then I'll pick another one and then finally move on like a weirdo. I'm always getting asked about other similar podcasts too. So I will mention those. And it's funny because those are all new. I do. But oddly enough, I listen to another ru mother runner out of the ones you mentioned. That's the only one that I already have on my list. And you don't have to be a mother runner to listen to that. I really like it. Yeah, I like it because it, I feel like they, it starts really casual, just with catching up from their weeks and how everything's going. And so you feel like you develop a friendship with them. And then they have a range of different runners who are on there. Yes, I love it. And it is. It's just about running. And I feel like they're super down to earth and relatable. Yep. Agree. Boom. What is your favorite post-run or post-race victory lap? Your go-to or ideal meal after a run? Well, I can tell you that I've already requested on Saturday to have a burger, sweet potato fries, and a pumpkin beer. So this time of year, that is what I'm craving. And I 
I love um, burgers in general, but I tend to crave them, especially after hard workouts or after races. So that's what I'll hopefully be toasting um, with on Saturday is a burger and a beer. Yes, I love it. And I am so excited to see how you do this weekend. Good, good luck. Um, Tell us again your Instagram and website. Yep. Instagram, you can find me at Healthy Happier. And blog, you can find me at find me at myhealthyhappierlife.com, where hopefully I will inspire you to live a healthier life each day, regardless of your schedule or how many things that you're balancing. Yes. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. Have a great one, Monica. You too. I hope you got a lot of value from that. I'll put links in the show notes to her Instagram website and the running shoes and other gear that she mentioned. And like I said, I ran New York in 2013. So I'll link to my blog recap of the race, plus share some pictures. And I actually think that the only post-race picture I have is one of me and Ben. I remember I was freezing after the race. He was spectating with his friends who lived in New York, and I just wanted to find them and get inside. Luckily, someone did snap a picture, but the only post-race pic I have is of us together. And I know I get a lot of questions about things like this. So if you want to see a picture of this person that I've mentioned in previous episodes, you can check that out plus all the links and other picks that I mentioned at runeatrepeat.com. Now it's time for the awards. Today, first place goes to total MVP of the weekend, SR, aka Skinny Runner, aka Barrels Hambone on Instagram for being my only friend for coming across the world to run a race with me, for still being my friend in spite of what I said at mile 20. And I said some bad words. And normally she gets super pissed at me when I say bad words and says language. And then I feel bad. But she didn't even say it because she knew I was about to have a complete meltdown. So I appreciate that. See, there's like, the more I think about everything that happened race day, the more I'm like, I am so lucky that God blessed me with this friend and that God blessed her with a ton of patience. I super appreciate it. And she deserves all the awards. But I have one more award, actually, before I give them all to her. Second place goes to, and this was a surprise to me. I just got in the mail yesterday. And it's kind of funny because I'm releasing this episode about the New York City Marathon Brooks Running sent me a pair of their special edition NYC marathon shoes, and more companies are doing this now, but Brooks also did a special edition pair for the Boston Marathon. It had like anchors on it, and I think lobsters. I don't really remember because I used them, and they're pretty thrash now. But these look like superhero inspired and they're very fun. I just thought it was like funny, funny timing. So I'm going to put a picture of those on Instagram at running repeat and you can check out the special edition NYC marathon running shoes. Boom. That's it for today. If you have a question for me, you can send it on over. You can email runeatrepeat at gmail.com or call the RER podcast voicemail line. That is 562-888-1644 and leave a question. If you have a minute, please rate the show a million stars or however many it goes up to. Subscribe, download, tell someone about it and have a great run. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com.
You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at Run Eat Repeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Run Eat Repeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.